0: On the whiteboard in my office, if you've been in there the past few months, it hasn't changed for a long time, is is a phrase, it's, can these dry bones live? It's a phrase that I've spent a lot of time thinking about some months ago. As I was thinking about my life, as I was thinking about our church, I was thinking about our, our culture, asking the question, can these dry bones live? Now you're familiar with the prophecy and the, when God came to Ezekiel and he showed them the valley of dry bones and he says they were very dry. Can these dry bones live? It's really the question that we ask ourselves as human beings over and over again. Can these dry bones live? Can my life or what I see that it is and my dashed hopes and my dashed dreams, can they live? Can my dashed marriage and my dashed uh, hopes for my career, can they, can they still live? Can I still live in the middle of my disappointment? Can I still live in the middle of my darkness? I've been thinking about that question a lot. Can these dry bones live? And this phrase came to me some months ago I, as I was thinking about Jesus and what it means that he came to us, and I, and I, I think I ran down the hallway and well, sauntered down the hallway and to, I think David and Dale were there. I don't remember if Ozzy was there. Not probably. And I think, I think I said, Hey guys, we, I, I know we're asking the question, can these dry bones live? But we have a God who intervenes. And they looked at me like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but it meant a lot to me at the moment to think like, even though I'm in the valley, I oftentimes feel like I'm in the valley of dry bones, That as. God showed David he was in the valley of the shadow of death He yet God I feel was breathing life to me and saying I am a God who intervenes and that's what the advent or the coming or the appearing of Jesus is the real reminder is an assurance that, that God is a God who intervenes it was true it is true and it will always be true can, can these dry bones live? yes because we have a God Who intervenes that's the story of christmas think of the deadness if you will if you will think of the deadness that that is in the place in it as in place in israel at the time before john and jesus were born and right before we we get to the part where this prophecy that we just that phil just read for us think about what life was like for them for centuries, God's people, Israel, God's covenant people, had lived in the silence of God. God had not spoken for over 400 years through the mouth of a prophet. Silent. And you think sometimes you pray and God is silent. 400 years, God had not spoken to his people. They had lived for centuries under the silence of God and the degradation of their culture. All their stories were pointing back in the past to how great God had moved in the past and how their ancestors had done great things and God had done great things for them, but they had no stories for themselves. The culture was degrading. There was falling holiness more and more as each generation passed because God had not not spoken. Because they were sinful and unfaithful. They had, they would have been falling away in holiness for generation after generation. And on top of that, they had been conquered and occupied not once, but multiple times by invading armies and powerful empires that they had really no hope to overthrow. In fact, they had so little hope to overthrow. They had, had multiple political and military coups or revolutions that they had attempted and every single one had been snuffed out. And destroyed. And so the people had to be asking, can these dry bones live? That's the the basis of the song, if you have heard it or sung it. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that, that mourns, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. And then when all hope seems lost and the days seem darkness and darkest, in that moment, in that place, at that time, all of a sudden, God steps in and intervenes. And, and he does so through a teenage girl and through an elderly couple. Pretty ordinary, very ordinary, very, very ordinary people. This is how it began for Zechariah and Elizabeth, the the parents of John the Baptist. In in Luke 1, 5 through 7, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So that's pretty good, right? Then we have a big word there. It says, but but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. They were a normal, elderly couple. He was in the priesthood. She was of the, the, out of the, the lineage of Aaron, and yet, and yet, they had no child because she was barren. And for anyone who deals with that kind of situation, it's incredibly difficult In this culture, it was even more so. Because to be childless as a woman and as a couple meant people were around you whispering, I wonder what they did. I wonder what they did or their their parents did. I wonder what they did or their parents did that would cause God not to bless them, that would cause God to frown upon them instead of smile upon them. So year after year, this good, normal, righteous couple lived in their community and their friends, him serving in his role as a priest. And yet knowing there were whispers around them saying, I wonder why God doesn't bless them. And they had to be asking, can these dry bones live? Now, while he was, verse eight, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. It's a pretty normal day. And it's a kind of a special day that he gets to serve in. It is a special day that he gets to serve in the temple, but it's a, nothing extraordinary in what is happening this day. There's a normal man who's a part of a normal couple, doing his normal pastoral duties and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And he will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink for he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn away many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers, to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah, here's his response And Zechariah, said to the angel how shall i know this from an old man and my wife is advanced in years and the angel answered him if you zoned out when i just said this when i was reading all that zone in here and the angel answered him i am gabriel i stand in the presence of god And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because... You did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making sides to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. The old woman conceived. Can these dry bones live? And for five months, she kept herself hidden saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among my people. God steps into the story in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the deadness, in the middle of the, the time where it seems like hope is the lowest. God steps into the story in an unexpected way with unexpected people. And that's the way he often does it. God intervenes. Can these dry bones live? Yes, because we have a God who intervenes, but he steps in in unexpected ways through unexpected people. God stepped in and he personally intervened into the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Did you hear the prayer that she prayed whenever she she conceived the child? Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. They knew people had been whispering. They knew people had been looking at them. They knew that people were wondering, why doesn't God bless them? What have they done? Or what did their parents do? They weren't just ordinary people. They had all the signs of someone who was not being blessed by God, at least the way that people looked at them the same way, Mary. Mary, in a different way, she conceived unwed, and seemed to be the person who was outside and unblessed by God because she had conceived outside of marriage. They experienced Zechariah and Elizabeth had experienced personal reproach and shame and sadness over year after year after year there was long standing heartbreak they had prayed for year after year. Yet there's a God who steps in and intervenes in unexpected ways with unexpected people to showcase his love and his power and his mercy to those of us who are left wondering can these drop bones live He didn't just step in, though, and, and intercede and intervene into Zechariah and Elizabeth's personal situation. He stepped in and through them had a plan to bless the nation of Israel and even the whole world through the blessing that he was given them in John. Did you hear the, the words of Zechariah in the prophecy? It's talking about salvation for Israel and a light for the world. God was intervening in national and world history through John, through through John, the child of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who would be the forerunner, proclaiming the Messiah was to come. And that's one of the beautiful things about God is that it isn't one or or another. It's not that God either blesses us personally or God blesses the world. God often does both. He blesses on a micro and a macro level. He comes in and he intervenes into our individual situations and through us to the people in the world around us. God's ways are often so surprising. In fact, it seems like the, the bigger the thing God is doing, the more surprising and unexpected the way he does it. You wouldn't think that God would send the forerunner of the Messiah through an elderly couple who were barren. Neither would you think God would send the Savior of the world through an unwed mother and her carpenter boyfriend. God does things in an unexpected way. and The bigger that he seems to be doing a thing, the less predictable it seems to be. The whole story of Jesus' birth and his life and his death and his resurrection is surprising and unexpected. It's not the way we expected salvation or help to come, but yet that's the way it comes. We don't know why God does everything the way he does, but I do know two things. We know two things about why and God does certain things the way that He does them. Why does God do unexpected things through unexpected people in order to bless us and bless the world? One, because God loves to use the weak things of the world. Are you weak? Do you wish you were stronger? Do you wish you had had stronger will or more talent or ability? Do you wish you had more financial freedom or more ability to have financial freedom? Do you wish you had a better marriage or were healthier? Do you wish you weren't you wracked weren't by pain or doubt all the time? God, you don't have to wait to overcome those things so God can use you. God uses the weak things of the world in order to confound the strong. He uses the weak things. But then the second thing he does is he, do it, he does it in order to showcase his glory in a way that leaves the wise and the powerful wondering at the side. Why would God bless this childless elderly couple and send the, the savior of the world through, through Mary because he uses the weak things of the world to confound the strong so he can show just how powerful and great he is. Are you heartbroken? Do you bear the reproach of others? So did Elizabeth and Zechariah. Are you misunderstood? Are Do you feel like you're an outsider without a defender? So was Mary. That period of time when she was, before God changed Joseph's heart and he stepped in, Mary was an outsider. She was now a pariah in her her neighborhood and among her people, an unwed, pregnant girl who had been set to the side by her betrothed husband. She was an outsider and she did not have a defender. This is who Jesus comes to and this is who Jesus comes through. This is the mysterious intervention of God. He is mysterious and other and greater than us in the way that he intervenes into our darkness, but he intervenes. That intervention is not just mysterious, but it's miraculous. In those days, verse 39 of chapter 1, In those days Mary, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when, listen to this, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what what was spoken to her from the Lord. While the baby, by the way, pre-birth, Just conceived in the mother's womb. The baby is in the presence of the mother of the Messiah. The baby inside her womb leaps with joy because he is near. Now the baby didn't know what was going on, but the Holy Spirit inside her womb. And the Holy Spirit came upon her and revealed to her, this is the Christ, the Messiah. That is miraculous. We have a God who miraculously intervenes into our darkness. He doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. He doesn't throw us a rope and say, here's a rope. Climb your way out. We have a God who miraculously comes down into our darkness and lifts us up and brings us out. That's the story of Christmas and Advent he mysteriously and miraculously intervenes into our darkness. Verse 57. Now when the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. You hear that? Heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. That was the custom. But his mother answered, no, he should be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs of the father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately, this man who had seen the angel had been made mute this whole time until she would bear this, until she would give birth to the son. And immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. In their presence, the baby is born. just as the angel who stood in the presence of God and brought the word to Zechariah, his tongue was loosed, just as he said, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. When God comes and intervenes, we call it miraculous. It means when God comes in and does something out of the ordinary. It's super or supra natural. It is above the natural, it is above the natural order. Did you hear all, did you you get all of that? It's so easy sometimes to hear the Christmas story if you've been around a while and just to let it just kind of like fall into our minds like it's like some sort of myth, like it's some sort of fable, like it's some sort of nursery rhyme. But these are real people in a real time. And think of all the miracles that we just read in that section. These aren't even all of them. The angel's appearance to Zechariah was miraculous. His being cast mute was miraculous. Elizabeth's pregnancy was Utterly miraculous. Did you get that she said she was an old woman? It says it several times. we will know she's an old woman. She is beyond child rearing years. If somehow God came in and miraculously made her body fit for it and caused it to happen when she had been barren for year after year, decade after decade. Elizabeth's pregnancy was miraculous. Zechariah's muteness and his in, it was miraculous. His regained speech was miraculous, and his prophecy that God put His Spirit upon him and he spoke the word of God, just as he did with Elizabeth, was miraculous. My question for you this morning is: Do you have a category for the miraculous? You might be a child of the living God and you might place your faith and trust for your whole life upon this story that we are where we're talking about here. But do you live life? Do you have a category for a miraculous God who intervenes into our darkness? If not, then what story are you believing? Is it just some myth or fairy tale? Do you have a category for an intervening God? A God who doesn't leave you and your family and our world and our nation to ourselves, but comes in and steps in and does only what he can do. That which is super supra above natural. Can these dry bones live? We have a miraculous God who says yes. Do you have an expectation for the miraculous? Do you have an expectation that you serve a God who is greater and mightier and above you? Do you serve a God who, do you have a a category, an expectation that that you serve and love a God who has no nothing that is binding his hand or keeping him from doing anything, who holds all wisdom and all power in his hands? Who can and does and will do whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, for his name and for his glory. If it is to cause dry bones to live, if it is to cause a barren woman to bear a child, if it is to strike a priest, mute, and then give him words again, whenever his barren wife conceives a child, it is, is it is to give a virgin a in her womb, a child that will save the world and it is to turn water into wine. Do you have an expectation for that kind of God? You see, this question addresses the skeptic. Those of us who, hey, there are some of us who are in this room. You're the skeptic who just doesn't believe. And you say, how can I believe in something that can't be proved? How can I believe in something that's supernatural? It addresses the the disbelieving believer who says, I believe in God. This is like Zechariah, really. I believe in God, but I don't think he does many miraculous things now. I believe in God, but I don't think he does many miraculous things for me. The angel stands before Zechariah and says, he came from the presence of God with a message from the almighty creator God to Zechariah. He appears to him in the temple. So he's performing religious duties. He's worshiping God. He comes and he appears before him, appears to him and says, this is what's gonna happen. And Zechariah says, how can you prove this is gonna happen? What's my proof? And he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand at the right hand of the father and he sent this message to you. And if you need proof in your evil, unbelieving heart, you shall not speak again until your wife conceives and every single word that I've said is performed. But see, That should be comforting for a lot of us. Because Zechariah had an angel appear before him and tell him this was gonna happen and he doubted. We have the Christmas event. We have his life recorded. We have the miracles recorded in his life. We have his suffering death. We have his resurrection and we have stories of his ascension. We have decades and centuries and millennia of history of God showing up and doing miraculous things for his people and yet we still ask what's the proof why was Zechariah struck dumb by the angel did you see that it was because you did not believe Hebrews 3 12 says take care brothers listen to this I've been thinking about this all week Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Leading you to fall away from the living God. God in Hebrews, in this section, an evil, unbelieving heart. He doesn't chalk it up just, it's just a weakness that some of us have. It's not because some of us are really smart and it's hard for us to believe in the supernatural because we're really smart. Because we understand science or... It's not just a billion, I don't don't want to be taken in by anybody, by any shuckster. In Hebrews 3.12, he says an unbelieving heart is evil. That word evil is a word for sinful. An unbelieving heart is a product of sin. Disbelief is sinful in itself. Why? Because unbelief is a closed eye to the work and person of God, it's a refusal to see and acknowledge God's hand. Do you notice? all through this whole section whose fingerprints are all over these events. Did you you notice? The Holy Spirit was in her womb. The Holy Spirit came upon Zechariah. The Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth. The indwelling or baptism or being full of the Holy Spirit has always been a sign of God's intervening with man. It was the experience of the prophets and the servants of God in the Old Testament. Whenever God would move upon them and fall upon them as we see with Elizabeth and with Zechariah. By the way, male and female. And it's the birthright of the new kingdom of Jesus. The, The baptism or filling or indwelling of the Spirit of God is... It is the birthright of those who are members of the new kingdom of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in and among us as believers to intervene, to intervene in the affairs of men, to drive back darkness, to win those who are trapped in sin back to the father. And he will do so unless we grieve him unless we maintain a a sinful, evil, unbelieving heart. I'm gonna ask you this question. Has the Lord stopped miraculously intervening in the lives of normal men and women? Is his arm shortened? Is God's arm shortened? Has, Has he stopped working out and he suddenly can't do what he used to do back before? Has he weakened over time? Has old age started to grip him and draw him into lethargy? Does he care less or is he less able than he was before when he powerfully raised Christ from the dead? God's arm is not shortened. Or do we grieve him with our unbelief? Because it's one of those Either he's weaker or doesn't care as much as he used to, or we have evil, sinful, unbelieving hearts that grieve him. But Advent is a reminder that God has and does. And will miraculously intervene in the lives of men and women. And he does so in macro, in big ways. And he does so in micro ways. He did, not microwaves, (laughs) microwaves. Just to avoid confusion. He intervenes with salvation. That's what salvation is. You cannot see the glory and the beauty that is found in the face of Jesus Christ. You cannot see your own sinfulness, and you cannot see the beauty of the cross, and you cannot believe in the powerful resurrection with, apart from God breathing life into your soul, but through His word, by the power of His Holy Spirit. We have a it's salvation itself is an intervention, is the most miraculous intervention into the lives of men. And he intervenes in our heartbreak and our reproach. Into your heartbreak and to your reproach. The intervention of God is mysterious and is miraculous, but it's also marvelous. And that's really the point. It is marvelous. Did you see that all the way through that section? And in his. Prophecy, immediately when his mouth was open, his tongue was loosed, he spoke, blessing God. And he said, verse 68, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant Jacob. But as he spoke with the mouth of his holy prophets of old, that we should be saved from our enemies from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to us. That Verse 74, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Do you see that? God intervenes into our darkness. Did you hear the point of the prophecy? He talked about redemption. He talked about salvation. He talked about mercy. He talked about freedom from fear. He talked about the tender mercy, not just mercy. It's not like mercy, like God just like, I guess I need to show him mercy. Have some extra mercy over here. Just throw him a little bit of mercy. Like you might throw a, somebody who's begging for money an extra five bucks or something. It's extra. He says, no, it's tender mercy. Like a father to a child. He described it as light dawning. God intervening into our lives in mysterious and miraculous ways whenever you see it and experience it, it causes you to marvel. What's the first thing Zechariah wanted to do whenever God gave him his tongue again? Was it to call out the name of his child? I'm sure he was stirred with joy. Was it to talk to his wife? The first thing he was stirred to do was to recount by the power of the Holy Spirit, the goodness and the mercy of God, that he is dawning salvation for him and his household and all the peoples of the world. He marveled. And as he marveled, it said all their neighbors around them marveled. The intervention, the miraculous and mysterious intervention of God, when you see it and experience it, it causes you to marvel. What I'm saying is it causes you to worship and to praise your great and mighty, glorious God who does not leave you in the valley of dry bones, but comes and breathes life into you and to all that's around you and to you and through you brings life and light and salvation and redemption and mercy and tender mercy. To you and to everyone around you, it's a dumb-founding intervention of God. Zechariah is cast dumb by the presence of the power of God and his disbelief. But as soon as he can speak, they both, Elizabeth and Zechariah, praise God for giving them a child. But what they really wonder at is the salvation of their Lord. Your God has come in and intervened for you. That is the story of Advent. It's the story of his presence now in your life. And it will be, if you're a believer in Christ, the story for eternity. It's a praise-inducing intervention of God into our world. And today, if you're sitting there and you're on the outside looking in, you you should cause you, like the neighbors, to marvel and to wonder. I don't know what's going on in there. I don't know what's going on in Zechariah's house. I don't know what's going on with Elizabeth. It, makes, it seems ridiculous and silly to me, but all I know is that's an old woman who has now given birth to a child and he couldn't talk for nine months and now Zechariah, a pretty normal, older guy, is now prophesying in the power of the Holy Spirit. What must, it says, what must be going on here? For God was with them and that the story of advent and christmas that god is with us did you hear it as we were singing emmanuel god with us god is right now he not only has in some time in the past but he is now in your midst intervening into your darkness and if you are outside looking in will you hear that call and will you bow your knee and will you come in why stay in the darkness whenever He pierced the darkness for you? When the second person of Godhead was born in a manger for you? Whenever He lived a perfect life and died a substitutionary death for you? And has ever risen again to raise you? Now, if you're a believer in Christ, man, It's easy to look around and it's easy to look within and see a bunch of darkness, isn't it? I am constantly overwhelmed. If it's not by culture around me, I'm constantly overwhelmed when I look inside myself of my own darkness. It seems pitch black and never ending. But I have a God who intervenes, intervened and will intervene into that darkness and he brings light and redemption and salvation because he shows me his mercy, not his tender mercy. That's a God to praise, isn't it? In the darkness because light has dawned if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit has dawned upon your soul and he dwells within you and he is driving by the darkness. He's driving by the darkness in you. He's driving by the darkness around you. It shall not overcome you. It shall not overcome you. And you can praise And the surety because he came again, because he came once. He'll come again. We're gonna feast this morning. How oh, we're gonna feast. It's just a little wafer. It's just a little plastic cup. Oh, but it's a feast. It's bigger and more real than the very containers that they are in. The thing that we're facing upon is bigger than the world, is bigger than eternity. It's the presence and person of the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ himself, who ever lives and breathes for you, whose body is ever broken and his blood is ever spilled for you, and yet he ever lives and breathes for you. And so believer, come and feast this morning. You can come solemnly or you can come joyfully. You can come dancing up the aisles to take that wafer and that and that juice. You can come however you see but come with your head held high. Come with clear eyes and a clear conscience. Not because you have anything to be proud of or because you haven't messed up even today, but because he ever lives and breathes for you. Can these dry bones live? <laughs> oh, yes. We have God who intervenes. Praise be to him. There'll be two stations for you, one on one each side as you come forward if you're a believer in Christ. Partake and feast. and Let's worship that God. Jesus Christ, son of David, You ever live and breathe for us. You constantly are making intercession for us. You did not leave us to ourselves. You brought us near to you. You are bringing us near, and you will bring us near. God, we pray that you would forgive us of our unbelief, forgive our evil, disbelieving hearts. Forgive us and help us not to grieve you, God. Help us to expect you to do amazing, miraculous, mysterious things so that we and the people around us would marvel. God, cause your salvation and your truth to dawn upon our hearts and minds. In this Advent season and beyond, we pray. Amen.